Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of CityWalk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with CityWalk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search CityWalk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, CityWalk. Morning, those of you that are watching online. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, when I, if, if some of you know me, some of you are, I'm kind of still getting to know, uh, but if you know a little bit about me, you know that I grew up uh, in Florida, and I grew up in a family with three boys. I was the oldest of three boys, and uh, during my, our time growing up, we, early on, I remember our family, we, we didn't have a ton of money on the front end of, of kind of life, and and I remember my dad was going to college and doing some different things. And so, man, early on, we didn't have a ton of money. And so our family, one of the privileges that once in a while would happen is we would get cable. And so, and, and if nowadays it's totally different, all these streaming services. But to us, like having cable was like, wow, did we win the lottery at our house? What happened? Because most of the time we didn't. Uh, most of the time, and, and it, man, this is like way back in the day, some of you will remember, uh, most of the time, even getting like a remote control for your TV, that was kind of a big deal early on because you had the little click, click, click to the right station. And so we didn't usually didn't have, you know, a lot of different channels. And so there would usually be like ABC, NBC, CBS, you know, a few other channels. And so after kind of normal programming was over, if you ever got up in the middle of the night and you wanted to watch TV, it was slim pickings. So you, you could usually watch some really good infomercials, and there would be some, some great opportunities to buy things. Or you could go to the religious channel, and you could see some really kind of crazy religious people that would scare you and just dress really flamboyantly. And, and so those were kind of your couple options. And so I remember there would be times where I'd be kind of fascinated by, you know, that infomercial, I've already bought that, so I'm going to turn over to the religious channel and, and start watching that. And before you know it, it wouldn't take long, and you know this if you watched it, and, and you kind of know what I'm saying when I'm talking about like crazy religious people. Before you know it, that doesn't matter what the guy was preaching on, the, the, the ideas and kind of the conversation would quickly turn to money. And, and, and usually what they would do is they would, you know, they might be teaching out of some other part of the scriptures, but somehow it kind of turned to money and, and they, they might pull out a, a special prayer hanky that for, for just a, a small donation, you could get this prayer hanky that we've actually sweated on ourselves while we were preaching, and we'll actually send it to you if you pay shipping and handling as well. And so there was that, or, or hey, hey, we're going to actually be buying a third jet because we really need to get the good news of Jesus out. And so, man, if you could help us purchase this third jet, it's going to really help us move the ministry forward or or maybe it was, man, he was up there in his kind of $5,000 suit looking really sharp, asking you to help him feed the poor and send money to him so that, that he could feed the poor. And, and, and you kind of know, you kind of know the, the vibe I'm talking about where you, you go and it's, man, about money and it kind of gives religious people almost a bad name and and, and worse than what they would ask you to buy and worse than how they would, you know, encourage you to send money was some of the promises they would make if you would do that. They would tell you things like, hey, if, if you will give, if you will send a check, if you will get involved this way, then there will be blessings that will come your way. There will be healing that will come your way. You will have God's favor. You will have God's peace. And if you'll just send that donation and we'll get this hanky to you, man, it's going to change your life. And so people would send a check. They would send the money. 
And then very quickly would find out what the guy said would happen didn't happen exactly like that for me. And, and for, for so many people, as they would watch stuff like this and as they would interact with stuff like this, it would be disheartening. And even kind of, and maybe you've been in this place, even have people start to kind of question their faith because, man, I, I believe the guy. I sent the check. I did the deal and now, man, my life fell apart and I don't, have, I don't feel like I have God's favor or God's blessing. It's actually gotten tougher. And so it would lead to even some people maybe questioning their faith. And here's the good news. The good news is if you find yourself in that place, maybe you have found yourself on the kind of the, the bad end of a promise made by a religious person that just didn't seem to come true. The good news is this, that there's a really good chance that what caused you to be disheartened didn't come from Jesus's teaching. See, Someone may claim, and, and this is kind of what I've seen, someone may claim that it came from Jesus or other parts of the scripture, but what I found is that quite a bit of what people put on Jesus, he actually never really said. And, and over this next few weeks, and then we're going to come back to it some in the new year, we're going to ask ourselves that really simple question. What did Jesus say about and we're going to talk about a few subjects. We're going to ask ourselves over these next few weeks, what did, what did Jesus say about some maybe controversial issues, some issues that have uh, pushed people away from the faith? What did Jesus really say about those things? And then, then how do we apply what Jesus said? And today we thought we would just dive into the deep end. And start with a bang and ask the question that you come to church begging to hear. And here's the question. What did Jesus say about money? You're like, the one day I come to church and the dude's talking about money. I knew it. All you guys are the same. Well, let me get the hanky. No, just kidding. But, but what did Jesus say? Like, what did Jesus really say about money? Because here's something that we all know. Money and the way we view it impacts a lot of our life. And Jesus, he talked quite a bit about money and resources and finances. It wasn't a subject that he shied away from. It was a subject that he talked about openly. And here's why Jesus talked about it so openly when he was on earth is because in the time period that he was on earth, Man, there were some people that had some really kind of jacked up ideas of money. And, and here's the bad thing. Some of the really bad theology and the really bad things that people believed about money, they learned from the religious leaders of that day. Because back in this time period, the religious leaders taught and they kind of lived out this example that if God loves you and you, you have God's favor then you're going to be wealthy. That God's favor and wealth kind of go together. And part of you pleasing God and part of God blessing you is that you would have wealth, that you would have favor financially. And this was very uh, different than what Jesus taught. Jesus taught a, a, a lifestyle that was different. He taught a, a way of, of living that was different about a lot of things, including money. One of the things that Jesus talked about was Jesus talked about the importance of treasuring what isn't even in this life. He talked about looking to the future, looking to eternity, but yet the religious leaders of the day, they focused very strongly on treasuring things on earth and building wealth on earth and making sure that the world knew how wealthy and how much favor they had from God. And then if you didn't, you were looked down on because obviously you're not pleasing God if you don't have wealth. And so Jesus, he talked about this. And, and he talked about this in, in one of the probably most famous sermons that he ever spoke. And probably one of the most famous sermons really in, in all of history is known as the Sermon on the Mount. 
And it was one of the places that he talked about finances. He talked about kind of his view of money, of wealth in his kingdom, how it was going to be different than what the people had been taught by the religious leaders. So if you have your Bibles, or you can look up at the screen, or it's also in the app, look with me at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says this. This is Jesus. He's teaching. It's kind of the, it's towards the the second third of of this message that he's teaching. And he says this. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So, so Jesus kind of starts and he, 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 he doesn't say because he had a lot of friends that were wealthy. In fact, there was people that helped Jesus and the other disciples in their ministry that, that were wealthy people. And so he wasn't saying don't accumulate wealth. He was talking about treasuring it. And he says this, and this make, would make sense to them, that, that in this day, moss and, and then rust would destroy fabric that was very valuable. It would destroy coins. And so Jesus is saying, you know, don't store up for yourself. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth because, man, it's, it could get destroyed. Someone could steal it. But then he goes on in the next verse and he says this, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. And so Jesus just makes an obvious kind of statement that, hey, invest in what's guaranteed. Like you could put all your treasure on earth, but man, it could go away quickly and it could be destroyed or it could be stolen. But but if you put your treasures in, in something that's not going to go away, it's going to last, treasures in heaven. He's just saying a, a statement that just, just makes sense. Like, put your money where you can make the best investment, where you know it's going to last, where you know it's not going to get stolen or taken away. And, and so he says this, and then he makes this statement that you've probably heard, even if you didn't grow up in a religious community, you've probably heard this. He says this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, there's, there's really no better picture into, into someone's heart than how they invest their time and their money. Like somebody can say all day long, hey, this is important to me, and oh, this is really, I'm, my life's all about this. But at the end of the day, if you want to know what's important to somebody, man, look, look at their bank account. It's, it's pretty obvious where someone's heart is because here's what we know about ourselves. Our heart and money follow each other. Like what, what's important to us, we put money towards. And then what we put money towards, our heart seems to follow. Our heart and our money follow each other. And Jesus was saying that. He was saying, hey, man, he says, don't, don't put your treasures in a place where, man, they'll, they could go away. They could be stolen. They're, they're just, it's, it's a shorter life. But, but put your treasures somewhere where it's going to be valuable and last. And then he says, you know what, where your treasure is? That's actually a good picture where your heart is too. And then he says something that kind of on the front end, you think, man, what, what are you saying here, Jesus? Look, at, look what he says next, and then I'll kind of explain it. He says in verse 22, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Okay, and then he, then he goes on and he says this. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? So Jesus, what what are you saying here? In order to understand what he's saying, you need to understand kind of the the Jewish people and and just some of the things that they believed. In, In Jewish writing, a good eye represented a generous attitude. And a bad eye represented a wrong perspective of wealth. And so what Jesus is saying is, man, when you see wealth in a wrong way, it clouds your perspective on a lot of things in your life. And you and I know that's true. If you're watching online, you've, you've probably experienced this. If you've ever experienced you know, someone passing away in, a, in your family and them leaving an inheritance to the other people in the family, 
You find out that normal people that you thought were just nice, normal people get crazy when money's involved. Like what, what, this is not like 10 grand's left for the family and people get nuts about who's going to get what part. And it just, and I've heard story after story of how, man, we didn't think so-and-so was like that till this happened. And then it just went crazy because how people view money, their perspective on money, it clouds so much of life. And this is what Jesus is saying. And, And so Jesus goes on and he He just makes a really obvious statement. He says this, no one can serve two masters, okay? Since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is saying, again, he's saying an obvious thing. He's saying, you just... You can't be a slave to two masters. You can't be a slave to two masters that have totally different goals and outlooks. It's just impossible. That's what he's saying. He's saying you, you, you can't be a slave to, uh, and a servant of God and about God's kingdom. And, and you can't also at the same time be, be a slave and a servant of money. You, you can't. It's just impossible to serve both. And so Jesus, he calls his followers to make a choice, serve God or serve money, because you can't do both. And so he calls his followers to to make this choice. And then what he does is he assumes that the people he's talking to make the right choice, because in the next few phrases, he starts to talk to us as if we chose to serve God. And as if we chose to really believe what Jesus was saying, he, he talks to us as if we believe that, as if we chose God over money. Look what he says next. He says, therefore, basically as a result of you choosing right, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is it life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's basically saying, since you've chosen to trust me, since you've chosen to obey me, since you've chosen God over money as your master, he says, then don't worry. Another translation says it this way, take no thought for. He says, I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. If, you're, if you believe me, if you choose the way I'm encouraging you to choose, then a lot of the things you worry about in life, you don't need to worry about those things. And he gives a, a couple just illustrations of, of what he means by that. He says this, he says, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Basically, he's saying, hey, look, there's a bird there, and you see that one there? You think that bird's worried about where he's getting his next meal? You think he's laying up in his nest like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to get my next meal. We're just, how am I going to provide for my little birds here? I don't, I just, you think he's up there worried about this? No, he's not worried about this. Not even the birds. He's, He's just living life, flying around, having a great time. He's not worried about it. If I'm going to take care of the birds, you, you, think I'm, you think I would take care of you as well? And then he goes on and he, and he says it. He says, aren't you worth more than they? He's like, you're my favorites. Like if I was going to, obviously I'm taking care of them. I'm providing for them. They're not losing sleep, worried about where they're going to get what they need. And if I'm going to take care of them and I, you're my favorite, of course I'm going to take care of you. And then he, then he goes on and he, he asks like a dull question, but it's like, Ugh, yeah, you got me on that one. He says, can any of you add one moment to his life span by worrying? Like, is, is worrying going to fill your cupboard? Just, is that going to help you? Is that helpful? Does it do anything for you? Are you going to live one day longer if you just spend more time worrying? Jesus, is he's saying obvious things. 
like, hey, this whole worry thing. And, and if, if, I'm, if I know you, you probably worry about some of the same, same things I worry about. Or I'm, at least we're, we're tempted to worry about. And, and every single one of us knows this. Like, we could all say, we know this for sure, that worrying about what we worried about this past week didn't help that thing at all. It just made us feel worse in the midst of, of that situation. Worrying doesn't help. It didn't, like, because you worried, it wasn't that, oh, well, if you will worry to this level, there'll be another $200 in your bank account. Like, if that works, let me know and let me get on that plan. But as far as I know, that doesn't happen. Like, like you can't worry yourself into some gift cards showing up in your, in your mailbox, like, that doesn't happen. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, if, if you choose to make me your master and you believe me about this subject of money, then one of the things you don't have to do is worry. The birds aren't worrying and I'm taking care of them. But, but then he goes on and look at verse uh, 28. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And so, so Jesus says, man, look at the breathtaking wildflowers. Look at them. I think we have a picture of some wildflowers in Southern California, the last year's super bloom. And you look at these pictures and this is just one illustration of, of these, just the, the beauty. And, and here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, see how beautiful those, those flowers are? You know what those flowers didn't do? They didn't worry. You know what happened? I did that. I, I made this beautiful. I took care of them. What you're looking at is my hand at work. They didn't, they didn't worry about this. They didn't have to spin thread to make this all happen. I did this. I clothed them. And, and you, if you, you don't think, if I can do this, you don't think I can supply for you? And again, Jesus is assuming that we have chosen to believe him. And he's just emphasizing, hey, because you're believing me, you don't need to worry about these things, man. Because look how I have provided. You can look in creation and see my hand at work. And you don't have to worry. He says this in verse 30. He says, if, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of a little faith? If I'm going to clothe a, a temporary field of flowers in that much beauty that's honestly going to be gone in a few months, you think I'm not going to take care of my kid? You think I'm not going to supply for you so verse 31 so don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for the gentiles and he's talking about people outside of the faith the gentiles eagerly seek all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them he's saying you know i got you i know i know what you need before you know what you need I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to live your life like people that don't believe in me. You, you can live your life different because I'm going to take care of my children. I'm going to provide for them. You can believe me and do things my way, and I will take care of those things that are on your radar that you're worried about. And, and then he says this in verse 33. He says, but... Seek first. Instead of worry, I'm going to take care of stuff. So here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. He's saying, you know, what? in contrast to seeking first your own advancement of your own kingdom and, and putting your, all your energy and all your worry into things that I've already promised to provide for you. I just want you to seek first my kingdom. 
I want you to seek first what's important to me and my kingdom. What's, what's right. I want you to seek first that. And if you will focus your time not on worrying about things I've already promised to provide for you, but if you will spend your time seeking first the kingdom of God, then all the things that you're worried about, they'll be taken care of. They'll be added unto you. And Jesus, this isn't like a, a get-rich formula. Jesus isn't saying, if you'll do this, and I promise, like the, the, just go ahead and claim the mansion down the road. He's not saying that. He's just saying, hey, if you will put your time and your energy into my kingdom, the rest will be taken care of. And the rest will be taken care of. Might be, I'll provide food stamps for you to eat. Or it might be, Hey, you'll be the richest person in the city. It'll look different for other people. But Jesus is saying, you seek first the kingdom. And I'll take care of the things that people that don't have a relationship with me worry about. I'm going to take care of that for you. And then he says this, as if we haven't heard what he's already said. Like, hey, before I go, let me say it one more time in verse 34. He says, therefore... Don't worry about tomorrow. In, in case you didn't hear me, one more reminder. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And, and what Jesus is saying is in this passage, he's saying much different than the religious leaders of his day. Jesus calls his followers to view their resources through the lens of faith and through the lens of eternity. D different than what they had been taught, even from religious leaders of their day, which I'm sure was confusing for them. Jesus says, I want you to view your resources, not through the teaching of the religious leaders that is against what I'm saying here, but I want you to, want you to view your resources through the lens of faith. And, and here's what he means. I've, I've told you, I'll take care of you. So I, just, I want you to view your resources through the lens of faith, but then also through the lens of eternity. See, God's kingdom is much bigger than this life. And so instead of looking at your resources just through this life, I want you to view your resources through faith, but also through the lens of eternity. Down front in the front row here, I have a uh, rope. And on the end of this rope is a little, little red tape that I put on here. And, and let's just say that this red tape, this kind of is a picture of our life. And so maybe if you like eat only good stuff, maybe you can add another couple millimeters to your red. Uh, or if you go to In-N-Out, as much as some of us do, you maybe have a little less red. But, but at the end of the day, this is our life. So, you know, lifespan, if, if all goes really well and, and we live as long or a little longer than what normal people live, man, maybe, you, maybe your red goes to 85. Maybe you get to 100. Like maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're down here a little bit more. Like you're, you're one of the oldest people on earth. You're 110 years old. But, but then if you were to take this rope and if we were to just start to pull it apart you would see that, wow, this rope is a lot longer than this red part. And if I was to take time, we, we could take this rope and we could, you know, stretch it out. And, and let's just say that the rest of this rope just represents the first 10,000 years of eternity. So, I mean, you and I, this is what is important to us. This is what we view everything through. This is how we invest everything. And and here's all Jesus is saying. He's saying, you know what? Would you just understand how short your life is? And just how, honestly, how bad of an investment it is to put everything into this and not worry about the rest of this? It's just not even good investment strategy. Like, that's a terrible way to do things. 
And Jesus is saying, he's saying, you know what? I want you to view your resources, your time, and man, we could add other things to it too, but I want you to view your life and your resources not through just the red, but I want you to view your resources through all of eternity. And and how sad it would be if, if you put everything you had into the red when the red is just so little compared to eternity. And so Jesus is saying to, to his followers and the people that he's preaching to, he's saying that the, the religious leaders, they're seeing everything through the lens of just the red. They're putting everything into the red. And, and Jesus is saying, man, they're so off. This thing is way bigger than 70, 80, 90 years. This thing is forever. So why would you see your resources? Why would you see your talents? Why would you see how you spend your time through the lens of just this short 80, 90 years when you're going to be, you're a forever being. You're going to spend forever somewhere. And, And here's the thing for most of us, the way you view money whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, the way that I view money is probably based on what we were taught. Maybe it was based on the circumstances we grew up in. Like if you grew up very poor, you probably view resources and finances different than somebody who grew up very wealthy and never had to worry about money. Like it's not a good or bad thing. It's just, it is what it is. We probably view money and how we use it it's kind of because of how we grew up and maybe what someone taught us or how somebody was an example for us, whether it was good or bad, that's probably how we make up what we think of money and resources and time. But, but here's the thing, no matter how you grew up, and, and I mean, again, not discounting that, because yes, how we grew up and what we were taught for sure has an impact. But, but here's the question. Like, like, let's set that aside for now and let's ask this question. What lens do you see money through today? So whether you grew up like the rich kid in town or whether you grew up, man, and you were the poor kid at the lunch table and, and man, you were, you were doing the free lunch and then the rich kid, man, he, he was coming with like coolers full of all the, your favorite snacks because he was rich. Doesn't matter how you grew up. Let's ask this question. What what lens do you see money through today? For some people, the lens they see money through is insecurity. And here's what I mean by that. They're very insecure about themselves, and so they use money to prove, to try to prove something to the world. So they accumulate toys. And they, they accumulate a big house, and they, they make sure everybody knows that they got the newest whatever. And, it's, and it looks like they, they're maybe even confident, but inside they're an insecure little kid that's trying to prove themselves and they see their resources through the lens of insecurity. And maybe that, maybe you're like, honestly, Chris, if I'm honest, that's me. For some people, they see their resources through the lens of selfishness. And we would never want to admit this, but, but some of us, we see our resources through, man, I'm trying to get mine. I'm trying to do what's best for me. I'm trying to have a good life for me. I'm trying to get what I want. And again, we play it off and we would never say that out loud. But, but when we view money, it's like, man, where's, where am I getting my portion? And so maybe you'd say, oh, that's me, Chris. That's, if I'm honest, I, I kind of see you know, money through that. Like when I see money, first thing I'm thinking about is what's in it for me. And maybe that's the lens. Or maybe you would say you see money through the lens of worry, and you can relate with it. Maybe for you, it's just, man, you find yourself just constantly worried, like you can never have enough. And, and even if you have more than you used to have, it's just you constantly are looking at money and resources and what you don't have. And, and if you're honest, it's just you see it through the lens of just worry, and it's just something you struggle with. Or, and, and for, for all of us, let's be... Let's just be honest. Can we just say probably yes to all of those at some point? Yeah, like every, yes. I mean, I'm going to say the good one next, but at the end of the day, have I, do I see money through insecurity? Yes. 
Do I see money through worry sometimes? Yes. Do I see money through selfishness sometimes? Absolutely. And that's not like a brag. That's just yes. But that's not how Jesus wanted us to. And it doesn't have to be the normal. It can be the, you know what? That's the way I used to see it. Or man, when I'm in the flesh, yeah, I find myself moving back to there, but that's not the norm. And here's what the norm could be. Seeing it through the lens of faith. And when I, when, when I say faith, it's saying this. It's saying, I trust that what you say is true, God, and your way is best. And so, God, I'm going to trust you. Faith and trust, kind of a, a same, same thing, just a different side of the coin. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe that what you say about money, that what you say about eternity, about what you say about where to put my investment, I'm going to believe that's true. And I'm going to trust you. So when I look at my resources, I'm going to look at my resources through the lens of what you say, not what I feel or not what the world tells me. And if we're going to see money through the lens of faith, there's a couple things that we'll do. And so let me get really practical. Because let's, like I said, let's be honest. Like, of course we would love that. Like, yeah, I'd love to never worry. I'd love to never be insecure. I would love to always look at my resources and what God provides me. I'd love to do that through the lens of, I believe you, God. I trust you, God. I want to invest in what will last forever. Yes, I want that. So what does that look like practically? What are some things we can do if we're going to see our finances and our time, our resources through the lens of faith? The first thing is this, and this is very important. Remember, we are a steward, not an owner. Like if I'm going to see my resources through the lens of faith, one of the practical things that will happen in my life is I will see myself as a steward, not an owner. So a steward is a manager of someone else's resources. And so when I look at my finances, if I'm looking at myself as a steward, here's what I'm saying. God, you own everything. And you have entrusted me with some things to manage in my life. But you own everything. And in order for me to be a good steward and be wise with your resources, Lord, there's, there's a few things that I'm going to do. The first thing is I'm going to tell my money where to go instead of my money telling me where to go. I'm going to actually budget a little bit. I'm going to try to be wise with my money. I'm going to invest. I'm going to try to put my money, God, that I'm managing for you. I'm going to try to put it in places that are going to get you the best return, that are going to help you. I'm going to invest in things that matter to you. And, and this is not saying that like you can't be wealthy. If there's some people that God wants to be extremely wealthy. And, just, and, and those people will use their wealth for really good things. And so it's, this isn't like, hey, make sure you're you know, poorer than the next guy so you please God. No. Just, but remember that you are a steward. You're not an owner. So as, as I talk about budgeting, and I, I said this, and I think this is in your app too. There's a, there's a link in your app. So what does that look like? It looks like putting a plan together for the money God has given you to manage. And so for you, it might be, I remember Lori and I, you know how we started? Had little envelopes. Some of you maybe did the same thing where like, we literally had little envelopes and we said, okay, with our little bit of money that we made, like back in the college days, all right, $10 of that goes in the entertainment envelope. $5 of it goes into this, uh, you know, that's how we budgeted. Now we use a, another app, we use a, an app called Every Dollar. And, and this is a, basically the envelope system on your computer and phone, where we're able to say, okay, you know what? If, if we leave it to ourselves and we don't have a plan, we're going to look up at the end of the month and say, where did that money, where did it all go? What happened? I remember in college, one of the most embarrassing things uh, that I, I, well, one of the many embarrassing things that happened in my life. So I was, this is like 25 years ago. 
So none of this even existed back then. I, I didn't even have a cell phone back then. But I remember going to my bank ATM to get $20 out. And it told me it declined. And I'm like, that stupid bank, they got this thing wrong. Da, 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 da. So I went to the bank. Like, y'all made a big mistake, da-da-da-da. And this gracious lady that could have made me feel really stupid is, uh, Chris, actually, let me show you your, how you've spent your money here. And uh, the reason it declined is because you have no more money in your account, buddy. And, and you know why? Because we were just like spending as it came in. We weren't budgeting. We didn't know where our money was going. And so, man, one of the ways we can be a good steward is saying, okay, God, how can I manage what you've given me? I'm going to budget. I'm going to try to invest in things that are important to you. That, uh, that app, it's, like I said, there's a link in, your, uh, in, your, uh, in the app that will help you if you want to get on that app. It's something that we use. But here's the other thing. As you think about being a steward... So if I was, and I have three kids, and they're, they do great with their money. Uh, but for instance, if I had three kids, and if one of my kids was absolutely just the most wasteful person ever, and never, like any resources I gave to them, they wasted it, do you think it would be wise for me to say, you know what, let me give that one more things to manage for our family knowing that they are just absolutely awful with the money that they're already given. No, that wouldn't even make sense. And, and so I think in, in the same way, and this isn't like a, uh, like, yes, like God always does this, but it's one of those things. If you were God, would you give more resources to one of your kids that waste the resources you've already given him? Of course not. And so I think this idea of, God, I want to see finances through the lens of faith. That means, man, I'm going to try to be a steward and remember, God, everything I own is yours. And God, I'm asking you for wisdom to how to manage, how to budget, how to put our money into things that are important to you, God. See, if, if we're willing to do that, the scripture tells us it's just a principle in scripture that, man, if someone is good with small things, Many times, God gives more resources or opportunity if you've been faithful with little. But again, if, if, if we're going to see our finances and our resources through the lens of faith, man, we're going to remember we're a steward, not an owner, but we're also going to do this. We're going to make generosity a lifestyle. And, and here's what I mean. And this, this has nothing to do with an amount of money. See, so for some of us, and I know I've done this, well, if I made what he made, I'd be generous. Well, yeah, if I had as much as she did, of course I'd be generous. But it's not, about a, it's not about an amount of money. If you look at Jesus and who he highlighted in the scriptures, he highlighted some of the poorest people that gave the least amount, but to them, they were very generous. And Jesus made a point to highlight the poor person who gave out of their need and, and not highlight the rich person who just kind of tipped God. And, and so this idea of, of seeing generosity as a lifestyle, it, it's just like another spiritual discipline. It, it's not, hey, you know, once a year because I kind of feel guilty and it's kind of the time of year to do this, I'm going to tip God. No, it's, hey, every day of my life, I want to have an attitude for to the world that, you know what, God, my time is yours. My money is yours. God, I want to be about your kingdom. I want to have an attitude and a heart of generosity. And sometimes that looks like giving money. Sometimes that looks like, man, setting aside your agenda and giving your day to somebody else. It's a heart and an attitude of generosity. And honestly, if if you don't see your resources through a lens, the lens of faith, this will not make sense to you. Because to you, you maybe have seasons that you are generous, and maybe you're generous because it's ah, kind of what I should do, or maybe you feel guilty, so it's like, I probably should do this. And, but, but this should never be based on guilt. Being generous as a lifestyle is based on the fact that we are so grateful as children of God that Jesus gave the ultimate price for us. 
And what we're saying back to him is not, we're not trying to earn anything, God. We're not trying to make you happy with us. And if I do this, God's going to love me more. No, it's God, because of all you've done for me, because you loved me so much in my darkness, you sent Jesus to save me. I want my life to be about your kingdom. I want the resources you allow me to manage to be used for what will last forever. It's a lifestyle. It's a heart. It's an attitude of generosity. It's not an attitude of, oh, it's that time of year. We probably should write a check or, oh, well, we should probably go volunteer at the whatever because this is what we do every Christmas. No, it's a, in January, I have a heart to be generous. In April, I have a heart to be generous. In July, when it's 110 degrees, I have a heart to be, it's just a lifestyle. But again, If we see our resources through the lens of insecurity, selfishness, or any of those other things, this doesn't make sense. But if we see our resources through the lens of faith and eternity, it's all that makes sense. Why wouldn't we be? Why wouldn't we who follow the most generous person in history be the most generous people because of who we follow. So what lens do you see your money through? Jesus said it this way. He said this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when we do, he says, you know what? I'll take care of the rest. So we either have to come to a place where we believe that eternity is real and that eternity is forever and that my life is short and what I do in this life matters for eternity. And if we walk through life that way, whether we make $20,000 a year or we make $2 million a year, it will lead us to have a lifestyle and an attitude of, God, thank you for allowing me to be a steward. How do you want me to use my gifts, my finances, my resources for your kingdom and to help other people see you and be a part of your kingdom? And when we do that, you won't be able to fit every, every person in the seats of every church. When, when the world sees the people that follow Jesus sacrificing, giving, extending themselves with no agenda, it's a game changer. And that's what we want to be as individuals. We want to be that for the person that lives next to us. We also want to be that for the little kid that's going to get our box that we'll never meet this side of heaven. But you know what we're going to say? You know what? We're going to do this because we believe eternity is real and we believe that everybody spends eternity somewhere. And so why would I invest all my resources in things that won't last for eternity? It just doesn't make sense. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for how gracious and good you've been to us. Lord, no matter who we are, kind of what our background is or what our bank account says, even in this moment, man, we live in a place where we have a lot of things that a lot of people in the world don't have. They never will have. And so, God, we never want to take for granted how gracious and good you've been to us. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us as individuals, as families, to see the resources that you provide for us through the lens of faith and eternity. You love us today as much as you'll ever love us. We can't lose your love. We can't gain more of your love. 
But God, I pray that because of your love that we would now be loving and generous as we are ambassadors for you in a world that needs you. Maybe you're here with every head bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're watching online and you would say, Chris, man, I, as you mentioned the different lenses, man, I find myself looking at my resources through the lens of insecurity, maybe through the lens of worry or selfishness. You, you could relate with some of those. But for you right now, you would say, Chris, I, I just want God's help. I want to change the lens. I want to take off the lenses of insecurity and worry. And I really want to see what God's provided for me through the lens of faith. Well, just right in this moment, just tell God that. Just tell God, God, I, I mean, I, I repent. I am sorry for how I've handled my finances, maybe how the lens I've seen it through. And God, I pray that just in this week, that you would help me to begin to look at what you've given me through the lens of faith. Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you would say, Chris, I, I don't have a relationship with God. I, I've, you know, here at church or I'm watching online, but, but there's never been a time when I have trusted Jesus as my Savior. And maybe you're, you're watching or you're here and you'd say, man, today I would like to start a relationship with God. How would I do that? Well, the scripture tells us that man, all of us have sinned. All of us have done things our own way. We've all disobeyed God. And because of that, our relationship with God was broken. But Jesus, and we talked about this a little today, was just so generous that he came. He lived a sinless life here on earth. And at the age of 33, he hung on a cross. He was beaten and he died not to pay for his own sin, but to pay for ours so that we could have a relationship with God. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you would say, man, Chris, I want to start a relationship with God. You can do that right where you're at. Just in the quietness of your heart between you and God, just tell God that. We, we call it praying when we tell God what we're believing in our heart. Just tell God, God, I, I admit to you I've disobeyed you. I've done things my way. God, I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. Jesus, I, I want a relationship with God. God, come into my life and save me. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you made that decision or you have questions, there's a decision card right in front of you if you're here with us or you can go online to citywalk.cc and there's one there. Just fill that out. If you have questions, we'd love to connect with you and, and help you understand this decision better. Lord, I thank you for your generosity to us. Help us to follow your example. In Jesus' name, amen.